so we're here. We're going to do our first episode of uh, Franchise Mode, which I'm pretty excited about. We get to look around the NFL, which I think is fun. Not just think about Cleveland Browns, but think about you know teams from all over the NFL. And to me, again, like I think that's a that's a pretty fun thing to do, and I think that we can have some fun with this. So talk through uh, what you're thinking, what you want to do, and the goal of this, Andrew. Yeah, I, I think we, we the idea is basically that that um, you know we can't talk all Browns all the time, but I think one of the ways that you kind of understand where the Browns are at and the moves that they need to make to get to where the teams that are playing this weekend are at, for example, is by looking at what other teams do. Right? I, I think every year, this time of year, there's there's a lot of great object lessons in like ways that it can go right and ways that it can go wrong. So like right off the bat. What's happening in Indianapolis, I, I said this today um, in, in our Slack, what's happening in Indianapolis is the best argument for keeping Kevin Stefanski around because you let Jimmy Haslam control a, a hiring process again and you might end up with Jeff Saturday or, you know, whatever the version of that for the Browns would be, right? Um, mm-hmm. so, so the idea for the show is we're going to talk non-Browns, but it's going to be with the with the idea of like, you know, are these ideas that, that we wish – we would see more of in Cleveland or is this like a, a cautionary tale of what could go wrong, that sort of thing. But, but also just because it's fun to kind of talk about all the different ways there are to get there, right? You look at the four teams that are playing this weekend, uh, four kind of different ways to build a team, to build a franchise and, mm-hmm. you know, different ways of getting to the end result. And, and it's interesting to me to kind of think about how these teams that are like on the outside looking in uh, are going to end up getting there. Yeah, it's like the, the the offensive coaching aspect of it, I think, is something that sticks out because it's not that defensive coaches can't get there, leaders, right. head coach, defensive-minded guys can't, but it does feel like the the idea, the, the sustainability of long-term offensive coach who runs that side of – this is the thing, Andrew, that I think we should kind of talk about, right? Because yeah. I think there's a large misconception about, you know – when a coach is a coordinator of a side of a football, when, when mm-hmm. I tell you Kevin Stefanski is calling the offense, running the offense, how much involvement do you think he has on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, I I've kind of assumed that it's more than people think. Just, here's just here's what is. I think he's got a way that he wants it done. And I, 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 I have to imagine week to week that, that there's some input. I think especially one of the things that makes me think that is that they were always better under Joe Woods against the divisional opponents. Yeah. So like, I actually don't think, I think you're, you're right in the way you're saying it, but I think it's less than what the general public thinks to, to prepare your, to prepare your side of the football. There is so much going on there. Like, okay. Like, and I think this isn't just Kevin. I think it's Kyle. I think it's no, no, Zach Taylor is, is, um, is a case study that is of interest, right? Because Zach is a guy who came from the McVay tree, but he actually passed off play calling to Callahan's son, uh, right. Brian's son. Brian, What's yeah. his son? Brian. Uh, um, yeah, Brian. So he passed that off, but he still um, comes from an offensive mind. So I think if like Brian took another job, Zach could take yeah, back over of the offense. He's yeah. probably heavily involved there. So, right. um, I just think that there's two ways to kind of go about this, right? You can hire a head coach who's going to control and be the CEO of pretty much 
yeah. the team philosophy, the team's approach to prep, the team's approach to who the overall voice is. But in my opinion, and again, I'm not in Berea. I'm not in San Francisco um, with, with Kyle Shanahan. I'm not. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is the, with the Eagles or Sirianni. Now, Sirianni has. I, I don't, you know, the Eagles are really good, but I don't have a great feel for what's going on there in terms of like, it seems like uh, Strykin's their their guy yeah. is their OC, but I don't know yeah. if he's calling the plays or Nick is, but Nick obviously was an OC in um, Indy, uh, doing really yeah. well in Indianapolis before he got that job. So I don't really know who's specifically calling plays there, but. Well, he, Sirianni like, turned it over to Steichen when they were sputtering last year. Um, they were, they got off to that rocky start, you remember? And then, and then Sirianni like pretty publicly turned it over to Steichen, and then all of a sudden the Eagles turned it around and went on a run. Okay, so I think there's an angle as as what I would say is this. Okay, if yeah. a guy's calling his plays, he's probably less involved with the defense than you think. If he's okay. not calling plays, he probably has more time to go spend time with the defense. But how much of an impact is Nick Sirianni making? Or right. Zach Taylor making right, on sure. the defense. Now they sure. can point some things out. Here's what we, you know, here's some tendencies, some overall things. But like, I don't think. I'm just trying to make sure I'm clear about how I'm trying to phrase this. There's a, there's really like these guys who are head coaches that tilt toward the offense. And what I mean by tilt towards the offense is either they're calling plays or they were hired as a play caller, offensive play caller before they got the head coaching job. Right. They're leaning that direction heavily. That's where they're most impactful. That's just the um, that's just how it is. Like that's just yeah. they're, they're they're heavily leaning in that direction. But the the guys who aren't calling plays because calling plays is a different animal. You yeah. know, you really have to be locked in to that whole operation to call plays and and be able to handle that mm-hmm. because it's a lot. It is a lot. And I only did it at a small scale level at a at a, at a at a, at a high school level, but like th- there's, there's a lot of things like th- those play clocks are moving. Like it, yeah. it is, yeah. it is a lot. Now uh, a difference between rate, you know, sending in signals and stuff like that, right. or, or some high schools, they'll send a kid into the huddle with the play, but right. you know, you get the direct radio communication to a helmet is some pretty slick stuff that helps speed up the process a little bit, but it's a lot, it's quick. And it's yeah. like a head coach. There's just a lot of moving parts there. So I think for the Brown situation, it's very much they need a CEO of that defense. And Kevin can – For sure. It's not that Kevin doesn't know what they're doing. It's not that he doesn't right. have an idea of what the game plan is. But he's not really going to be leading – Again, yeah. I could be wrong, Andrew. He could be doing more than I think. But he's not going to be sitting in there being like, hey, man, great week to go cover six nonstop. Like, are you doing – like? No, yeah, he's not do doing – You know what I'm saying? Right. So, no, it's, um, it's more high-level stuff, yeah. But, I again, the, the, the pass-off of he, he ends up – giving up play calling someday, or he goes the Zach Taylor out, Sirianni route, because those right. are offensive guys, but they've yep. gone to more of the CEO approach, yep. is that he would have more time to get involved with the defense. Now, what that right. means is he's probably sitting in coaches' meetings often, you know, watching more tape of that side to see what he can pick up. But, you know, I think that the tilt in the NFL these days is you really – you really don't want to lose your what makes you good offensively. It just is. Right. It seems to me, Andrew, and you correct me if I'm wrong, and you uh, give your opinion on it. It seems to me it's it's like it's harder to replace great offensive minds mm-hmm. than great defensive minds. So mm-hmm. um, it's a delicate act for sure. Yeah. I don't know how Cincinnati is like. 
doing what they're doing and has <laughs> they have no coaches anybody seems to care about. Right. It's pretty wild, yeah. right? right? Like it's pretty yeah. wild. So yeah. yeah, I mean like it's all about what you want as a as a fan. If you think the head coach should be the CEO and he should right. have zero influence on um you know either side he should be very balanced and in both meetings and blah 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 then i okay i get it Mm -hmm. um but at the same time these coaches all come from a deep background on one side of the football i couldn't tell you andrew i really couldn't a guy who was like an oc and a dc and then was hired as head coach i probably like the 80s 70s like that's yeah that'd be a long time well if matt patricia ever got another job you know he'd be the he'd He'd be the he'd be the guy, right? So yeah, he would be the guy. That's a good point. Um, but I don't know that after last year. Did you read that article today? Uh, I did the, not. The I missed it. The debacle of like mistrust with Mac Jones. It's a terrible oh, offensive situation yeah. there. Well, yeah. Which I know we're going to talk about Bill O'Brien yeah. getting hired yeah. there, but yeah, yeah, good. No, I, I mean, I I think the, the I think I'm thinking about the four teams that are you know still alive, and and it is all four of the head coaches are offensive coaches, right? But then two yeah. of them have delegated play calling and have kind of become a little bit more of that CEO type. Though I, I do really wonder about, I mean, it, it feels like in Cincinnati that that you know that Lou Anarumo probably runs that that pretty tight, I would guess. But um, yeah. But you know, two two that have delegated play calling, and then the other two, Andy Reid and uh, and Kyle Shanahan, are probably the best doing it in the in the game currently, right? So, um, yeah, I, I don't. It's it's hard for me to. I, I think that. Probably the way that I've kind of come to think about it is that I think both can work, um, and 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 what's more important probably than where that responsibility lies is that the person that's leading things is the right person to be the leader, if that makes sense. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. I I I think there's definitely an advantage to having your offensive play caller be your head coach because they can't be hired away, right? That's there there's insurance mm-hmm. there, like that's Shane Steichen. It's an advantage. Yeah, Shane Steichen's going to get a job, if not this year, next year, two years from now. Mm-hmm. And then does Sirianni call it again, or does he bring somebody else in that he likes? Those are the questions that you have to ask. You know, and I made the point on Twitter today that you look at Nathaniel Hackett getting the job in, with the Jets today is a perfect example of th- that's if you're a defensive coordinator that's turned into a head coach like Robert Sala, you're picking from Nathaniel Hackett and who else to be your OC. Meanwhile, Stefanski had the choice between two guys that were head coaches that are being bumped back to defensive coordinator and Brian Flores and Jim Schwartz. So it's like you want to be in the market for a defensive coordinator, not an offensive coordinator right now in the NFL. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To your point, it can be done either way. I think you have to be really special to do it. Like you have to be yeah. really, really good at this. Or, or like you have to hire the perfect staff, the perfect right. guy to be your defensive guy. And, right. um, you know, yeah. th- that part of it, there's just a lot of challenging stuff going on there. I, I mean, I think Stefanski yeah. had a good start at this whole thing. And I think he's been relatively good, but they've had moments of where it's like, man, it's like if Kevin was up in the booth and he wasn't being bothered with the, should he challenge this or mm-hmm. answering questions, would he, would he have a little better feel for the game? Would yeah. he have a little better sequencing plan for the next yeah. snap, uh, next run? Like there's some of that stuff I wonder. Um, yeah. But to, but to someone's point here who said, uh, I think uh, it was the most recent comment down there. Yeah, I got you. I think it's too late for Kevin to give up play calling. Like yeah. I, I, at this point with where they are, I agree. Um, with with now his his fourth year of Van Pelt, like it'd be really weird for Kevin to pass it on now. I really think it would be really weird for him. So at this point, he's going to rock the ship back on track, and and he's going to continue to do it. Or there's an external hire, maybe you know. Like I don't um, I don't really know about it. But but at this point, it'd be strange yeah. to me. Yeah. And I know he's been asked almost every year. But it'd be strange to me for him to get, they love that question. And I get it. Like, it's just, it's just a, it's like a, it's an easy question to grab off the shelf. Like, um, it just would be really weird for Kevin to be like, you know what? I'm going to let Van Pelt call plays this year, you know, from now on. Like, okay. Okay. So I, again, with how much I think, I don't know that the pressure is as, you know, um, I don't know how to say this. I don't know if the pressure is as, as hot as everyone from the public thinks. We still have right. not had any in, in, inclination that inside the building Kevin's job is mm. on the line. I mean, right. you know, we don't have anything like that. But but it just would be like I think that this year they know they have to win, and mm. it would just be strange for him to be like all of a sudden, you know what, I'm actually going to give up play calling. So, um, yeah, I mean, so if you're asking Sur- Super Surge, like Van Pelt is in charge of daily practice scripts, daily practice plans, like – Kevin's CEOing all of it, and they're sitting down doing a lot of that stuff together. So right. he, yeah, I mean, he's basically the coordinator in title only. It depends how you want to deem the word coordinator. If you think coordinator only is the name for someone who calls plays, right? He's not. He's not a coordinator, but he's probably coordinating a lot of things that the offense does. What the play script exactly is for all the second and eight uh, snaps that they're going to do. Like practices are regimented by situational football here we're going to do third down snaps we're going to do second down snaps we're going to do coming out snaps out of the end zone like we're going to do deep in our own red zone we're going to do two minute drill like i would envision that 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 what van pelt is in charge of is all of those things like all of those script regimented stuff and also game plan stuff you know here's what we think we should do he probably comes up with his own thoughts takes them to kevin kevin brings his thoughts to him they get together they think about it talk about it then they formulate a script here's all of our second and 10 plays are second and longs. So here's all second and medium, second and shorts, first and tens, uh, third and long plays. Like they come up with that stuff together and listen, AVP is in his ear. And I, I, I know for a fact 
that he's asking him for suggestions all the time. Like it's not, Alex is not just a zombie. Like he is involved and picks plays too. And they call stuff that he will call. Like it's not just, you know, Kevin has the ability to say, no, I'm going to run this. This is what I want to run. And I'm right. sure that happens. There are times where you know, Van Pelt's like, hey, man, let's go 989 right here. I love this concept in this situation. He's like, nah, actually, we're going to do this or vice versa, right? Where Kevin thinks, hey, I got something here. What do you think, Alex? And he goes with what Alex says. So it's very collaborative. Um, but again, Kevin has the final say on all of it. So it ultimately lands in his lap. But like I said, these guys, what you want, Andrew, to your general point here is a coach who can play call and still do what Shanahan's doing, which somehow some miracle way here, Kyle Shanahan is not only calling his own offense and operating it, functioning it, nailing it is he's a one of one in the NFL. In my opinion, he's also putting out a coaching tree on the defensive side of the football. Robert solid D'Amico Ryan's is about to be a head coach somewhere. Like they're turning D their defensive guys are taking jobs that matter. So like, that is a thing that is amazing too. That is what you want. You want that. But again, like, McVeigh, when he first came up, was with Wade Phillips. Now he's done a better job of, as the defense has turned over away from Wade Phillips and has gone to a couple different spots, uh, some different people, including, um, as you as you know, uh, San Diego's coach Brandon Staley, uh, not San Diego, LA. um, But then also, but he just brought in Raheem Morris too. So like, he understands that there's a good CEO balance there too, and like. The thing that doesn't seem to bother NFL teams as much anymore, and it probably largely tilts to the way that the people view the NFL anymore, is it's an offensive scope. It just is. Yep. We'll replace the defensive people. We'll find ways to get the right defensive minds in, but we really got to keep our – if we get a good offensive mind here, we can never let him go. Like We just yep. can't let him go unless it's an absolute abomination. So to your point, hiring a defensive head coach – I mean, there's great, there's, there's good ones. I mean, yep. you know, John Harbaugh was, was, right. uh, it was a special teams coach under Andy Reid in Philly. I listen, I got to, this is not as regimented a, uh, um, show as some of these others. So I want to go over this with you. I was looking, I went into, and you probably saw it in the Slack last night. I was going through, uh, Andy yep. Reid, yep. like exactly what you're gonna say. way down the pipeline, yep. but I didn't actually say this last night, but listen to his coaching staff. Okay. Yep. This is yeah. the 2004 Eagles coaching staff. Brad Childress is his offensive coordinator. David Culley, who just had a job as a head coach of the Texans, as wide receivers coach. John Harbaugh, special teams. Sean McDermott, assistant DB coach. Marty Morningway, Pat Shermer's his quarterback coach. Steve Spagnuolo's his linebacker coach. And there are other seasons that he had uh, other pieces here, right? Like he's That's five head coaches and two coordinators. <laughs> it's actually unbelievable how how the coaching tree of Andy Reid is in yeah. Ron Rivera, the year before 2003, Ron Rivera was his linebackers coach. Like mm. for many years, Ron Rivera, the year before that, here's 2002 Cully again, Leslie Frazier, who's been a head coach currently yep. the DC in Buffalo, John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott, Ron Rivera, Pat Shermer, Steve Spagnola. Are you kidding me? Like it's ridiculous. The, yeah. the amount of talent coaching <laughs> tree talent Andy Reid has put out there. So well, if you want to make yeah, the, I mean, the argument that, coaching doesn't matter all those guys were on one staff and they didn't they didn't win a super, didn't win a super bowl, bowl so didn't win a super bowl <laughs> it's a yeah, coaching dream weird, team isn't it yeah. it's it's a it's it's a weird thing but yeah, yeah i think the 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 stuff can be a little overblown i don't think there's one way you have to do it on the offensive side anymore i think you can you can have an offensive minded coach who still passes off play calling and be fine and him right. 
you know, Andy has passed off play calling in KC many yeah. times. I mean, yeah. you know, I was again at the beginning of that dead wormhole I was going down last night. I was like, God, Andy Reid has been in KC since like 2012. And mm-hmm. his first few years, his his offensive coordinator is Doug Peterson. Yep. Like he has he has passed off play calling and, and Andy's a great offensive mind. I mean, he came up with the Packers and he was a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator there before he got the Eagles job. Like Andy has called plays many times, but that's like what you would like, I guess to see is, is it would be great if you could have a head coach who's good enough to call plays whenever he wants, but he also is trying to get his assistant coaches to anchor those roles and be able to do it, step in and do it. Can you have the enemy call plays? Can you have, um, what was the, the guy over in, uh, in Buff or uh, Chicago before he got fired? Nagy. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. Matt Nagy. Yeah. Like he's had many, not, not that those two are great examples, but <laughs> he's had many people come and call plays for him too. So, while Kevin is, I get the way he is, and he loves play calling. He doesn't have to, and I don't know. Maybe as he gets more comfortable, if they have a couple great seasons or something, yeah. he passes that off a little bit more. But, um, yeah, there's not there's not like one singular way to go about this. But to your point, if a defensive coach, it's just hard because I think I like Robert Sala. I, I don't know if you yeah. do, but I I oh, like I him. Yeah. But like to go from Mike McDaniel to now you know, where they land, it's so strange to me that that, and I guess there's the Aaron Rodgers connection and they're trying to yeah, see if they can, they can, I would, I would hope. I, I didn't help hiring, him to Denver. So. No, I know, man. I just think hiring him there with that being yeah. the focal point of it is, is just people wanting to connect dots. So right. anyway, um, yeah, man, like I, I just I, I respect the offensive angle, and I think it's true. I think you do want a leader who can handle the offensive side of the football, but it's also okay if they're not the ones directly calling plays. Yep. And you have to, as a fan, understand, you know, in my opinion with Kevin, because that's what we're all interconnected with is, you know, Kevin is the guy driving the ship and calling the plays. Then he needs to have, if he's going to spend as much time over there, which it can work, we've seen it work, yeah. He needs a head coach of his defense then. Right. Like that needs to be a thing. Yeah. And 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 I've said about the Schwartz hire, the Spagnolo thing with 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 Andy Reid, yep. you know, is real. Like a guy who's had a crack at being a head coach, it didn't work out. Maybe you burned some bridges or whatever. But if you, you know, like for Schwartz, it doesn't feel like he's going to just magically get another head coaching opportunity. I think Lou Anarumo is an from Cincinnati's a great example of this. He's doing great things for that, yeah. but he's old. He's right. old and he's a defensive mind. Right. And that doesn't seem what franchisers are even remotely drawn to anymore. Correct. So yeah. I think after what you know, happened the same with thing. Fangio, right? It, it yeah, and, and Mc, McDermott. Right. They lose Dable, and now it's like people are ready to yeah. run Ken Dorsey <laughs> out of town. So Yeah. Yeah, there tough, was the man. Yeah, there was the uh oh now I'm, I'm totally blanking on the the name that 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 was he was being compared to was McDermott and Dayball was some old defensive coach with a good offensive coordinator that that left and I can't remember who it was now with, oh, with Buffalo or another team no it was, it was it was on Twitter it was it was another team in the past I'll, I'll I'll pull it up in a second here it's just in the recesses of my mind um but but no I I mean I think that you know the interesting thing for me about the for, pertaining to the Browns and and the and the Schwartz hire is. You know, I, I think it probably got underplayed at the time when uh, Stefanski was hired 
that they they were a little bit behind the eight ball with their uh, defensive staff hires because of just where they were in the schedule. And, uh, you know, because Stefanski was hired late because they the Vikings were in the playoffs and then they eliminated by the 49ers. And I, I think looking back on it, you made this point a, a while ago that the, the a lot of the guys, a lot of the assistants don't have a ton of experience uh, at their level uh, that they're coaching at currently. So uh, I, I think that there's there's a lot to be said for just the step up from like the Joe Woods level to to the Jim Schwartz level. I, I think so too, and I've had this this kind of take now for a few days, um, a, a, a just just in general about where they are right now. I actually, Andrew, I, I don't, I'm not that worried about the defense. I actually think mm-hmm. somebody coming in and bringing in some of his people with a competent approach and have, they've done it and demand respect. It's go. I, I really think it has a chance to be fix, completely coin flip fixable in a year, like opposite side of the spectrum in a year Um, just because to your point, what you're saying there. And I've gone through this when I wrote that article that connected the dots between uh, between Jim Schwartz and people who coach for him and who are like hang either hanging in limbo or who are out there who could join him. And what I mean by hanging in limbo are coaches who are currently in places under contract that the head coach was fired. Think Arizona, Indy, uh, some of these other places. And, um, you know, I'm looking at the Brown staff and I'm like, there are two people with long NFL experience here. Ben Bloom, who's the run game coordinator, who like, right. good luck, brother. You know, like, <laughs> you know, with what happened this year, good luck. I yeah. mean, I was, yeah. I'm, I don't think Ben Bloom's, I don't know enough about Ben Bloom to say right. this guy's terrible, right. but that the, the, the statistics speak for themselves. And yeah, then it's, it's obviously big. Jeff Howard is the yeah. only other one with long term right. experience. And it's not that long. It's not that well, long. Yeah, you know, Tarver's got pretty decent experience, right? Yeah, but like those two are your pass and run game coordinators, and those right, are usually right. like the two that you view as the next up to be a like that's the that's the step, right? You go from a pass game coordinator to running a defense or run game coordinator, and vice versa. So like, right. yeah, Tarver's got experience. He was the Raiders OC, uh, DC from twelve to fourteen. I think he ran Stanford's defense one year with um, Shaw. Uh, uh, you mm-hmm. know, David Shaw. There's is oddly enough in conversations re- resurfaced yeah. uh, in conversation for the for the job and. Denver, but like, you know, I don't, when I look around, like a lot of these guys are like, oh, they were the running back coach at Eastern Carolina. Now they're, um, you know, up in Cleveland doing this, or they were the uh, defensive back coach at um, Western Kentucky or, or some play. And it's just like, there's not a bunch of guys here who have NFL experience. And I know that a lot of times these guys jump from college to the NFL and it goes from there, but right. there's not much here. Like when I look no, at the defensive been. staff, I'm not looking at, I don't see a, a stump Mitchell. I don't see a Callahan. Right. I don't see those right. guys on that side. So to your point, it clearly was, in my opinion, a staff that was lack defensive staff that was lacking. Not that Joe Woods hasn't been around and perspectives, ideas, and the ability to take what was given to them. And pat- I mean, we all saw the press conference. Like, it's going to yeah. be hard for Jeff Howard to get a, a job somewhere. Yeah. If a co, if a place is like, yo, explain this man. Like, what are you yep. talking about? Mm. So, I don't. I think that the the level of competent, not competence, because I don't want to say that the Browns didn't have competent people. I think that just the level of skill, skill, yeah. experience, and exposure right. is going exactly. to be a real anchor for flipping this defense into a better yeah. unit, if right. that makes sense. So yeah. I'm not, and I've kind of been vocal about it. I'm a little more worried about the offensive side Correct. than I am about the defense figuring it out. So. Correct. Um, you know, that's a conversation for another day, but as we kind of look around the landscape of the league, 
I think I think I lean that way. I wanted to ask you a question, Andrew. The Steve Wilkes thing. I, I think it's yeah, interesting. Steve it Steve is. Wilkes, his lawyer puts out a statement tonight after they hired uh, Frank Reich this morning. And I like Reich. I think he's a good coach. I think the, the yep. thing that happened in it, it, the Andrew Luck situation happened and it went off the rails. Yeah, they were just trying right. to find quick fixes. And Well, and you know, now you anyway. know how much he's been under the, you know, the thumb of Jim Ursay. I mean, you look at how erratic some of the decisions with the quarterbacks have been. It's like, that's more Ursay than Reich. You got to imagine or Ballard. 100%. So yeah, t- so th- that, that happens, that hiring happens. Steve Wilkes gets fired after one year with the Cardinals when they drafted Josh Rosen. Okay. Comes to Cleveland. He's on Freddie Kitchens coaching staff. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Terrible spot to be. Ends up getting down to Carolina, takes over for Matt Rule, who's been pretty bad by all accounts. The way he's he's thought about to start the season. Yeah. And the way he's he's not coached them, but persuaded uh, the personnel decisions too. Like exactly. Right. Huge part of the issues there, but he then takes them to, and again, it's a bad division, but he takes them to the cusp right. of the playoffs. Yes. And if you That's could right. argue that if DJ Moore doesn't chuck his helmet in that Atlanta game, right. oh, absolutely. they, they might be in the playoffs. And it's like, so to you, like if, if you were in this situation again and something like this happened, granted your experience uh, um, of seeing these, would you have wanted the, them to keep Steve Wilkes? Because it sounded like they had the players, you know, the, um, the players were all about it. A lot of fans were behind it. But again, on the flip side, what we were just talking about, Andrew, which yeah, is the challenges of an older defensive coach getting a head job. Like that's a lot, a little bit of what's going on in Washington, for example, right now. Ron Rivera, older defensive mind. They flushed out the O's. There's a lot of offensive coordinators being high. They can't find these guys to run offenses. Man. I know. I know. So I know. No, I'm I, curious. I think what it, do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I think I, it's it's an interesting one because I think, you know, it's it's I think to me the conversation about a guy like Steve Wilkes is the conversation about where your floor is versus where your ceiling is, right? I think, you know, what's what's clear is that he raised the floor of that Panthers team from they, you know, they were probably on course to have the first overall pick before they fired Rule, and and then Wilkes gets in there and and raises the floor. But the question is, long term, does a defensive head coach? You know, and and then the question obviously is who does he hire to be his offensive coordinator? Who's going to run that offense? Um, you know, what's the ceiling, right? And I think, you you know, you it's the the problem that I have with that is like I agree that Frank Reich is a good coach, but at the same time, it's not as if his track record is exactly stellar over the past few years. They've they've had some rough years in Indianapolis, and so I, I think. I can see this both ways. I think there's a legitimate grievance from Steve Wilkes to not have that job. And, and to your point, being dealt a really raw hand in Arizona and then in Cleveland. Um, but there's also, you know, an, an argument to uh, going for the coach that, you know, the, the Panthers are probably going to draft a quarterback. So you want a coach that can grow with that quarterback, help that quarterback grow. Yeah, that's the thing is – we're talking about a very logical offensive situation where it feels like every single team now, for good or bad, I don't know if this is good for the league or bad, Andrew, is chasing long-term offensive fixes. Right. But you have a defensive coordinator come in and totally flip. felt like it totally flipped the culture and everything there. Yep. Yep. And it's like, man, you want this to work. And I right. really, I truly don't. I think there need to be more black coaches in the NFL, not a doubt about it, but I just don't think, I just don't think that this is uh, a racial thing, but it sucks because it is at the same time, you know? So like, um, 
I don't know, man. It sucks. And I, I think when you're looking at what are teams trying to do well, we want to do two things. We want to get a head coach who can who can lead an offense, whether calling it or guiding it and having someone call it. And we want a we want a great quarterback and we want those two to grow together. And I don't know if like Shanahan ruined this for everybody or McVeigh, probably <laughs> McVeigh that ruined yeah, it, it for McVay. everybody. Yeah. Like everybody starts wanting that. Right. And I don't know, man. I don't know. I think that like the, the, there's a lot of teams, organizations that are envious of what Jalen Hurts is doing with Sirianni Steichen, right? Like there's just the, there's a lot of teams that want that answer, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's it's just uh, it's tricky. It's tricky, and and it makes it makes me think we're going to miss a lot of great. You know, like when do you think the next special teams coach mm-hmm. will be hired? Mm-hmm. Like John Harbaugh, right. like that is. Right. So rare to see, but that also, Andrew, is another conversation you and I have had. Pittsburgh and Baltimore are great examples of fantastic head coaches. We don't like to talk about that all too much here, but we do have to recognize (laughs) that Mike Tomlin. Again, I I was I was looking last night, dude. At uh, I got again. I was in like an old football. Everything you could ever want is on YouTube anymore. And I'm talking like, hey, I saw somebody on Twitter say. 2014 Chiefs Seahawks was the best game they've ever watched. I type in 2014 Chiefs Seahawks. <laughs> the game, the full game is there. It's like right? everything. I know that everything's on YouTube. I get it anymore, but like that, these random games are just, you can find any game anymore. That's kind of cool. But like, good point. Joe Judge. Yes. Good call out yeah, on Joe yeah, Judge. No, no, we saw that way. Um, the Belichickian and Andy Reid ties again, right? right? So those are the two people we've seen come from. Um, yeah, good call out on that. But uh, you know, I guess will we ever see one again? Yeah, right. Know, yeah, he, he, he made but the anyway. argument harder for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was watching because I, I got caught up in like uh, that that Andy Reid two thousand four worm on. Then I was watching the two thousand two Bucks because I forgot I was looking and thinking about the Sean Payton trade, which is yep. so fascinating to me. Which is a topic I want to hit on with you. Definitely is like okay. So Sean Payton wants to be traded. To a team, he clearly wants to to coach somewhere right now because to me, right. it's like this guy should go back and be in the booth. There's not a great role to be had right now. There's just it's not. not a good year for it. No, no, and like, but but the thing is, I'm looking into like, okay, so John Gruden was here, he gets hired in Oakland. They traded two first round picks and That's two right. second round picks to bring him to Tampa from Oakland, and yeah. also a funny story. My my son has the gnarliest. My young, my firstborn has the gnarliest cowlick on the forehead. Right, it's mm-hmm. so weird. And I was like, "Holy cow!" John Gruden is the only <laughs> other human I've seen that has that exact same cowlick. <laughs> I had to tell my wife that today. I was like, "He's yeah. got the same." You want to see what he's going to look like when he gets older? From what does his hair do? Yeah. This is your yeah. example. Anyway, any That's um, so John Gruden first year is is uh, I know that certain people at the OBR hate Muskingum, but like. First year of college, John Gruden, Muskingum. Anyway, um, <laughs> to the to the next point here. Do you think? Do you think that it's the same to trade draft picks for a coach as it used to be? Because to me, back when contracts were crazy for draft picks, I think it's a little less of an issue now. With like 
how important the salary cap is. What's up, Marietta? I don't like you guys, but with, I respect Marietta. Serge, yeah. I didn't know that about you. Um, I, uh, I think that it's a little – I think I, let me put it this way. I think teams are less inclined to do it now than they used to be because 100%. the rookie contracts make yep. it such an advantage. And like yep. back then, you used to have to pay so much money to these picks across the first round. And I just think that we're, I don't think we're going to see trades of coaches. Who's the last traded coach we saw? Does anyone know this in the com- in the comments section? Are you offhand? I, I can't think, think of one. Gruden. Was it Gruden? Because it was Belichick came to New England before Gruden. Yeah. Gruden yeah. came in 02. Maybe somebody out there knows another coach in the 20 years we're talking about here who was well, the, traded I mean, like famously, that. Famously, the, the Browns were super close to, for, to trading for Jim Harbaugh back in, what was that, 12 or 13? And then they ended up with Something of that nature. Yeah. yeah. I, I just yeah. – I don't know the last time uh, – I don't know the last time that happened. But right. I'm like just sitting back sort of jarred by that whole thing and i'm like man i i just i don't know that a team why would why would denver who just traded bradley chubb for a first round pick to get a pick back from the russell wilson thing right want to give that up like i I guess and pay sean payton 20 to 25 million i like sean payton a lot but is that the answer i just don't know man i don't know but um you know, I'm curious your thoughts on on some of that stuff that that, that goes with like with Sean Payton and and would you would you would you move those things? Does it seem or do you maybe you like Payton enough that you think it's worth it because that you can't find these coaches anymore? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I no, I I don't because I think that I I think that he is unlikely to be worth it between the money and the draft picks I, I think it's hard you know it's it's and especially for a team like the broncos they are um they would be doubling down on like winning now right they've because they've already committed to a certain extent to winning now with russell wilson so they double down and trade away another first round draft pick and spend more money albeit i mean you know the coaching money doesn't count against the salary cap but still it's it's resources right um i think you're painting yourself into a corner where you know if they don't win, I mean, I guess what you would say then is Sean Payton probably survives Russell Wilson and then they go find another quarterback. But uh, no, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. And I, I, because I don't think that it's a sure thing that he's going to be successful. I mean, you know, his track record in new Orleans coincided with a hall of fame quarterback. Right. So like, and you can Mm -hmm. give him some of the credit for that certainly, but you can't give him all of the credit for that. I would be awfully hesitant to think that he can replicate that level of success in a new city. But I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we find out because I, I think that the idea of, of Denver getting Peyton and Russell Wilson and still being bad is, would be one of the funniest things we've seen in the NFL in a while. It does seem like the Cardinals are pretty seriously courting him uh, yeah. at this point, but, but I didn't um, see that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The, the Peyton thing is sort of fascinating to me uh, in, in that sense, but I don't. I just don't think the NFL is wired that way anymore. And it's like right. they're I just agree. being really cavalier about. Well, we'll just go get Sean Payton and trade these picks. And it's like, yeah, who you're giving up? Such an advantage, man. Such, yeah. such an advantage. So I don't know. Does that wrap up coaching stuff we have? I, I'm not sure if we hit everything or not on all those. No, I, I think it does. I mean, topics. the only other one I wanted to talk about is the is the um, is just I guess you know kind of the 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 Panthers thing. I think the the Wilkes angle is certainly one angle, but I think the other angle there is like. 
we, we kind of touched on this a little bit today in Slack. It's like, I, I think, I think Frank Reich, if they can figure the quarterback thing out in Carolina. Oh, nice. That's a, that's a good call out. Pee-wee's dog pound. That's, that's very good. Thank you. Um, Bruce Arians in 2017, the Bucks sent a sixth round pick. And that's funny. Cause I would say Bruce Arians is on the same level as Sean Payton. Wouldn't you? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. People love Sean Payton. He's got a lot of pub. I, I don't think you would look at their resumes and be like, man, it's not really that far off. Right. Um, you know, I remember so Arians was, first. wasn't, wasn't Arians in the booth, like really, really trying to uh, mm. like talk about getting the Browns job. I remember him doing was. some very public, uh, public stuff about trying to get the Browns job. But yeah, I, yeah. I think, is that maybe that's the only other one there has been. So, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, sh- I guess I could, I could, uh, coaches trade at NFL, look that up. Probably someone yeah, Google, Google it. Google. Sure. Um, but, but no, there's not, there's not that many of them, uh, yeah. floating around. So, okay, here's the list. We'll just do it. Um, uh, from Bill Parcells, 1997. Um, this is from an NBC sports article. Parcells goes from the Patriots to the jets for a first round, second round, third round, fourth round pick. And $300,000. Good Lord. <laughs> Mike so Holman goes, holy cow. Uh, sorry, 300000 I, I might have said oh. 3000 His pocket changed. No, I, yeah. I, yeah. They, they covered his expenses. Uh, Mike Holmgren, 1999, from the Packers to Seahawks for a second-round pick. Oh, That's sure, the peak, yeah. peak of Mike Holmgren value, too. So, uh, Belichick goes from the Jets to the Patriots for a first-round, fourth-round, seventh-round pick in 2000. So three years later, the Patriots get uh, get the – get the coach back have to give back those picks they uh, shipped off for parcells so uh 2020 or sorry 20 2002 is what we just talked about two first round picks two second round picks for john gruden and eight million dollars herm edwards 2006 from the jets to the chiefs for a fourth round pick and then in 2019 cardinals to bucks sixth round pick peewee pointed that out so yeah um it's not actually as long a uh no you know, um, yeah. you know, as long a list as I actually thought there. So I guess Peyton has kind of been vocal that he, the, the Saints would want a mid or um, later, later first round pick. But like, who, how long? I wonder how long Peyton's contract is. Like, is he? How much longer is he under the Saints' lock on that? I think, that he would, two, he, I think it's this year and next year. Is it okay? I, yeah, I believe he, so. He's a, we'll see if he takes a job. I don't want to sit here and call him impatient. If he ends up right. not taking a job, then I'd look kind of goofy. But <laughs> it certainly feels like he was expecting the Chargers' job to come open, and it didn't. Or right. the Chargers are giving um, him another year because, uh, largely because, hey, we 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 
we don't want to give that up and maybe they're trying to run out the clock on his contract or something. I'm not sure yeah. kind of making things up as I go there, but you know, it's interesting. <laughs> let's they're just let's in talk about the, the championship games quick before we get out of here. Let's do it. Um, how I, I think I haven't looked at all the sites to figure out what it was. I saw earlier this week, you could get the chiefs at two and a half. Yeah. Um, which yeah. to me is like, like what? Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think that they are – it's hard to win four straight against a team. I mm. think the Chiefs have been – and I said this earlier in the year, so I could be – now, actually, it's shifted back. The Chiefs are laying a point. It's totally moved again. Wow, yep. that's crazy. Um, I think it was before Mahomes practiced and after he practiced. Yep, so exactly. That's probably the thing. Um, We'll just kind of – you and I give our thoughts. They're predictive. I think – I think it's going to be close. I think the Chiefs win. I smell like it is uh I smell like it's it's the Chiefs are ready to to win. They just you, like I think I guess I get to the point where if the Bengals beat them again I'd be like this is a dent in Mahomes and Reed's yeah. thing yeah. here. Like yeah, to sure. lose four straight to Cincinnati in all games they've been playing that matter because if you mm-hmm. recall the Cincinnati KC game last year before the playoffs mattered for KC getting their bot. They were playing it. They were all in yep. on that game. That's right. And then they lose in the playoffs and then they lose this year and then they they could potentially lose that'd be nuts. I just think KC wins a close one. I just think they do enough to uh to win a close one here. But man, if Cincinnati beats them again, that'd be bananas, man. That would be really crazy. So I think like a 20 26-23 Kansas City win is what I'll say. What okay. do you got on that one? Um, I, I would tend to favor Cincinnati just because I think the injury thing will, will be a factor. I, I think, you know, I, I just don't see how the way Mahomes plays the position, having a high ankle sprain is going to like help him. Right. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's 70 to 80%. And I think the Bengals probably catch him on a few, you know, blitzes, something like that, get him on the ground a few times and he's like hobbling pretty good. So I, I'd, I'd say the Bengals probably win by, you know, field goal to six points, something like that. Okay, so we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum on that yeah. one. Um, looking at the other one is like, these are two really good teams, man. But the element that continues to be like Brock Purdy, I, at some mm. point this has to stop. It has to stop. And I like, I agree. I think this is the week the wheels come off. I think I they, agree. I think they struggle, and I think that the element of quarterback run balancing numbers in the run game that San Francisco's so good at yep. will really give some advantages to, to Philly. And I think it's going to be like a 31-23. Like I, I oh, would feel comfortable okay. taking a touchdown. And yeah. I really like San Francisco, but I actually think that Philly puts it – I think I, – listen, when they came to Cleveland this year, I don't know if you remember it, but I was like looking at their roster because I was talking to Fran Duffy about their yep. season. I was like – this roster is ridiculous. Mm. It is really good. Yeah. And if they just get decent quarterback play, they're going to be a real Super Bowl contender here. And yeah. obviously they did. Jalen's been right. really good. And yep. it was good last week. And I just think that they're they're going to they're gonna win the Super Bowl too. Like they're, they're, that's just who I okay. think. So I think okay. like a 31-23 run in that one. And I think it's a good fight from San Francisco, mm-hmm. but I just don't think they're good enough to beat them, especially yeah. in Lincoln financial and all that. Yeah. So that's the, that's the key, right? It's it's the, it's the, it's the trip across the country yeah. into a, a hostile environment. Um, you know, and, 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 uh, I think it's a, 
I, your point about Brock Purdy is exactly right. Like they've had two home playoff games. So easy when the home team is like the home crowd is behind you. It's so easy as a quarterback to, to have that success and it, it goes right. Um, so I think there's a, there's a chance that this is like one of those games where it gets away from them because mm-hmm. we haven't really seen Purdy even having to play like drop back pass catch up type offense, right? He's always kind of been able to use the, the play action rollout stuff to, to hide, you know, a little bit. Uh, so I think there's a chance it gets ugly, but I'll, I'll stick with it being a close game just because I think the 49ers are so talented. And I have to imagine that Shanahan's good enough to have a few wrinkles in here that will really protect his quarterback. So I'll, I'll say Eagles by a field goal. Okay. So we both take Philly and then you take Cincy. Man, I'm telling you, dude, if Cincy beats them, yeah, it's going to be really weird for where, because Kelsey's old. He's, he's not young. Like he's not getting younger. And if they only get out of this, if they only get one Super Bowl out of the Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill trio, yep, that'd be kind of crazy. That, I and I guess that 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 trio is over, but a kind of the lingering right. Right. Kelsey thing, like that would be a that'd be a really strange disappointment. So, and that'd be crazy too for Cincy, because I don't think they're going to beat Philly if they play him. Like I just don't think that. And like, for, imagine Cincinnati beats Kansas City two times. It'd be yep. two times, un like. The NFL's top dog, mm. and then they lose two Super Bowls. Like that'd be that'd no. be crushing. So yeah. anyway, long way off. But this was fun. So this is what we're gonna do. There's not gonna be some great regimented structure here. It's really just <laughs> us gonna be going. And again, I don't think it needs to be. We're just gonna talk. Yeah. We're just gonna talk yeah, about yeah, what's yeah. going on in the NFL, yeah. how it ties into the Browns, what franchises are making what decisions, and how those are ram- those ramifications are playing out in real time. And again, we obviously will spend a decent amount of time talking about the Browns because it's just second nature for us. But I do like looking around the league. I did a little bit of that on my podcast with Jordan Zerm this year, and I want to continue to do that in the offseason. And it'll be more fun when big trades and big free agent signings and all that are going on around the league and all that and uh, the coaching decisions and and all that, too. So this is fun, Andrew. I think it'll be a really good idea for the next six, seven, eight months until the season gets here. I look forward to it, Jake. Thanks, man. All right. Yeah, man. Um, again, for, for Andrew, for me, for the OBR guys, we appreciate you being here. I think next time we'll do a little bit more um, uh, Q&A. Like if you guys have some questions yeah. or you want to throw out some topics that, that are going on around the league, we'll hit some of those. Um, not not saying this for sure. We might move this to Tuesday. If Andrew mm-hmm. can do Tuesday, we'll talk about that offline and let you all know. <laughs> 830 is a little late and then it's a tricky yeah. one because my wife works a late schedule on this day. So um I just think Tuesday might be better. So we're kind of talking this out in real time. I know Paul will find earlier time. Yeah. yeah. You know, man, geez, we're we're trying to figure stuff out. We're all anyway. Anyway, we'll figure it out. But this, this is uh, this is fun. We'll kick it off and let you guys know when we'll be back. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you and uh, all of you who support the OBR. You know, we need that. So thanks guys. Have a great night. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.